Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited to talk to my next guest, the great Richard Lewis. Richard, thanks so much for making time. I know it's early in the morning. No, don't. That's a misconception right off the bat, Doctor C. Okay, I don't. You know, I'm a. You know, when these people, I I've been listening to you for years. Get out of here. And for a hype, and for a weekend warrior like I am, after your show, I'm so drained. I feel like putting myself into a mental institution. I, I love the help you give to other people. I even dream in clap revision. Everything you, you've, in a way, you've. You're like the messiah for people like us. And on the other hand, you make us immobile. You're We're too afraid kind. to walk out. We, we go and we fix a drain. We slip. And all, all of a sudden, we're on the phone with you. And then we're coming in for a pre-op. And then, we, and then you're telling us what machines to go under. It's a great service. And yet, for me, it's been a nightmare. So take care. Uh, I appreciate it immensely. No, what a great show. I'm glad you, came, you made it safely back. Congratulations on the wedding. Yeah. It's fantastic. And good luck getting some guests. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> you ever get, when you get weddings like that, you know, no, I know it's, I, I, you know, look, uh, they, they, they like, uh, they like, uh, there's a little, it's a little rooftop place, it's near Tibet. <laughs> Have you been to Switzerland? No, I've been, I've been, I haven't been because I've always been upset with their neutrality. They're too <laughs> indecisive for me. <laughs> Should we go to war? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's think about it. It's unfair. It's so, unfair in terms globally, it's unfair. But no, I, it's great. But I'm an art freak like you are, and I, I, you know, I can't get enough of Italy, like you said. And how fair know, is the analogy, Richard? I sculpt. I go to Italy every summer, specifically go to, wow. to the quarry where Michelangelo got the mm -hmm. stone for the David, because I'm obsessed with that as a vocation for myself to carve in marble. Being a surgeon, it's perfect. It's, it's perfect. But how am I being crazy in the sense that it's yes, similar right to comedy? There. I am crazy. I worked in the Catskill Mountains. We can get into that in a second. That's how I paid for medical school. But to be able to remove the stone, to see the figure that's hidden inside the rock, different than additive art like drawing, painting, or clay. But as a comedian, you sit down with a piece of paper and a pen, and then do you carve away the excess words to get to the, to the punchline with the minimum amount of words? Well, listen, I, you know, I'm not going to speak. It's a, it's a lot, a long list of comedians that people love and don't love. You know, I, I can't speak, like, say, a Gallagher to a Lenny Bruce or a Mort Sol, kind of. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting them down, but, like, I'm, I'm not sure if he said, should I hit a cassava melon or a watermelon <laughs> and, and spend, you know, spend, uh, you know, a sleepless night. <laughs> and, on terms of, but if you, if you compare that kind of figuring it out to, say, uh, George Carlin, and I'm not being specific yet about mm -hmm. your question, but like George Carlin and I worked very differently. When I was a younger comic, I've been doing this like 46 years, and I did so many specials, you had to make sure you had like a 55-minute set that was perfect. So you had to go on the road and do basically these jokes every night in the same order so the studio can see it. I mean, you know, the, the mm -hmm. cable network and the director. And it, that's the only way to make it perfect. And and that's just the overall set. Mm. But but I got bored doing that all after 20 years. And I said, I just want to just free associate like you do, basically, on mm -hmm. the air. And I have thousands, like 20, 30 hours of material in my... Well, now, let me be more specific. You asked a very important question. How do you write a joke? And the idea versus the, uh, you know, the uh, like in, for a comedy, it's mm -hmm. called the premise. The premise is what's gold. The punchline is what most comics play around with on stage to find the best punchline. Mm -hmm. Like, for an example, I'll give you an example. I remember, for me, 
it comes differently. I never sat down a day in my life to write a joke I did anywhere on stage. I keep a piece of paper with me, a pad, and I write down something that strikes me funny. Here's an example. Like 30 years ago, I remember it was uh, Tom Brokaw said, uh, he said, Hallie's Comet is due, and, and I went, Hallie? <laughs> I, I said, I've been calling it Haley my entire life. And then it, I wrote down, what else don't I know? And that was the premise. Wow. So then I, and then I just, luckily, this stuff sort of pours out of me, whether it's stupid or not. And I said, what else don't I know? Have I been going to, say, a pizzeria and saying, give me a sluice of puzzo with anchovies? <laughs> that was the punchline. Yeah. And, you know, and so that, you know, that would get a laugh, you know, or so in other words, for when you look at Michelangelo, I think he was very famous. Correct me if I'm wrong, that he would see the sculpture yep. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the block and he, he already envisioned it. And his goal was to carve a way to get to that gold, that beautiful. His biographer, uh, Vasari, one of the few people he let visit him in his studio, said watching him work was as though wow. a woman was nude underneath the water in a bath, and all he did was pull the drain, and as the water receded, the figure appeared. What a visual. That's, what, oh, that's how he worked. He could see that figure, and all he was doing was removing the excess stone. It's an amazing. And Vasari then blurted out. He said, well, how do you know when to stop? And Michelangelo, pretty obnoxious, turns to him and says, when you hit the skin. <laughs> Some tough. I hope you don't say that in the uh, opera. <laughs> but you know, I was, I was emphasizing listening to you today. You know, because you're you're so brilliant, and you and you really all the acclaim you get is is worthy for sure. And uh, but you know, I was saying, you know, if you're not entirely out from the anesthesia, you know, you're not supposed to. And you hear, and you're going, I right, give me this and suture that up. You know, I was, you know, I saw Monet's. Uh, I was right. No, move it over a little bit. He's unbelievable. I prefer Gauguin in a lot of ways, and of course, this is Richard Lewis. So let's get some expressionistic work going on here with Monk. And I mean, you're probably so you're so in tune with your work. And you mentioned Doctor uh, that doctor that you've probably studied under in Manawatt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was a you know a kingpin when I was growing up in New York. You know, and I remember seeing you. You don't remember meeting me, but I actually remember going I to make really rounds. Sitting in the corner, mumbling about Switzerland. <laughs> No, in the 80s, I was there. You were visiting some friend of yours at the hospital for special exactly surgery. Right. And I remember exactly seeing right. you then. A woman who had many, many surgeries. And, um, wow. You know, I just, uh, had a, I just um, it's sort of ironic that I would speak to you for the first time today because um, I was on my way to start a three-month tour hmm. about two and a half months ago. And foolishly, uh, waiting for the car to take me to the airport... I decided for no real reason to go on one of these little roofs uh, I have in the house uh, to check a, a drain. Uh-oh. And, uh, you know, I'm in my 60s now, and you got to really, not only, not only just not because I'm in my 60s, but there was a safe way to lower myself down and a stupid quick way. Ugh. I stood on top of this it was four feet, five feet high. Rather than sit on it and just lower myself down and put my weight on my feet, look at the drain, do the same thing, lift myself up and then go mm -hmm. into the house. I jumped. I mean, I slipped oh, standing boy. up, and I fell full pressure on my wrist, on my head. Uh, I, I, I whipped my shoulder, and as it turned out, my head was fine, thank God. Mm, thank God. And I tore a little bit of my rotator, which I just did rehab for, but I severely broke my wrist. Oh, boy. And that's kept me off the road for two months. I'm, uh, I wanted to ask you a question, actually. Sure. Um, you know... 
uh, it's doing great. And if you don't, and I've spoken to so many people, I've spoken to so many people that don't really follow through with rehab, and mm-hmm. then you know, this looks like something that would be the sequel to Frankenstein. And it's their <laughs> fault. You, know, you really got to, you really got to do your therapy, right, Doc? Otherwise, you, do. you know, even as good as the operation is, you're not taking. You know, you're not. You got to, you got to show up with your own shovel and do the work yourself. Well, so I've been doing that religiously. You know, you know, and I have all these crazy little things I can do with my wrist for uh, mobility. Like, if I, and I'll do it unconsciously now. If I go out to dinner now and I don't have to wear the brace anymore, mm-hmm. I'll be putting my my chin on my wrist and bending it down, and people look at me oddly. <laughs> but you know, I don't care. I mean, it's all right. about getting healthy again. And uh, did they put but, plates and screws in your wrist? Plates and screws, like Frankenstein. All right. So, so let me give you a clapper vision of what happened yeah. to you. I dream in clapper vision. <laughs> I was once making out with Sophia Loren at the top of the Spanish Steps. You were watching, and you came over, and you you weren't impressed at all with Sophia. You went, your knee, look at that knee. I think you need to get an MRI. Oh, no. So, so you really uh, invaded the, my life, but that's okay. Give me some ideas about the screw. I mean, these are going to stay in forever. Yes, because you're in your 60s. If you were in your 20s, then you could argue about taking them out. But if they're in your 60s, you can leave them alone. They're inert. It's like a filling in your tooth. The challenge for the orthopedic surgeon, though, is when you break a bone, let's pretend you broke your forearm, we worry about two things. Will it heal, and will it heal in the right position, the right rotation, the right angulation? That's what we worry about when fractures occur in the mid-shaft. So think of your bone as a yellow pencil. When you snap the pencil in the shaft, two things. Will it heal, and will it heal in the right position? But when you fracture where the eraser is, then we worry about a third thing, which is arthritis, because now you are actually changing the overall alignment of the cartilage where the two bones in the joint are touching each other, and that's the challenge. The plate and the screws is the equivalent of you taking that coffee table that has four legs and it's a flat surface, and you I'm jumped on top of it. You're a genius, but go on. I, I, go on. Finish up. <laughs> and you shattered the legs of the yeah. table. But not only shattering the legs, but you also cracked the top of the coffee table. Orthopedic Hold on surgery. One can I have some more oxygen? Dr. <laughs> Clapper, can I stop you for a second? This yeah. is why people listening who love you, and I do too, need when they get when you're nervous and you're going and you finally get a, a, an appointment appointment with hopefully yeah. you know with a with a good orthopedic surgeon. Say. Right. You don't have much time. The waiting room, it's like a subway ride. It's the E train in New York. And you know that the guy's busy or the woman's busy and they have maybe an operation in an hour. And, you know, you don't want, and you really, you make notes before you're sweating. You know, I got these questions. That's why I usually bring between 20 and 30 friends with me. Listen to Dr. Clapper. Because we're going to ride home. No, he said it's like a coffee bean, not a coffee tape. No. He says you'll remove the mug, then he'll put it in a ceramic kiln. No, he says you could die if you kill. You, it's, and then if you ask most doctors again, they go, you know, the nurse comes in or the, you know, the assistant. We have, you know, we have someone waiting. Or, you know, if, you know, Richard, my favorite is elderly Jewish couples. When the poor husband, he's married 60 years, he needs his knee replaced. He's sitting yeah. on the exam table. I look and I go, Murray? When does it hurt? Not a word comes out of Murray's mouth. The wife goes, it kills him at night. He can't sleep at night. I have to now have the whole conversation with the wife. Murray has been taught never to speak. It's hilarious. Well, listen to me. You know, this is, is this good? I had, I had a, her, a hernia uh-huh. again, and, but this time I knew. And this is like two weeks after my operation with my wrist. 
Uh, it's like six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the first time, I never had a hernia. I was on the road uh, in, in the middle of nowhere in Florida in a concert hall. And some, I don't know. It was whatever. And I'm, at, I'm there the night before, and I see this bump down there in the groin area. Yeah, yeah. And I leap right to, I'm dead. <laughs> now, you have to know that I was 90 minutes from the Tampa airport, and uh, I wasn't going to call anybody because I was afraid to hear the bad news. Never get and sick in Florida. Never have surgery in Florida, Richard. No, no, but I wasn't, believe me, where I was, it would have been, uh, you know, it would have been not Western medicine uh-huh. where I was. I wasn't going to see anybody. It was a very odd venue. So the deal is... I don't call my wife, who has much much more positive about these kind of things. And I would have said to her, because I thought it was, I hate saying it, I thought it was a tumor. Right. And uh, and she would have said, oh, stop it. She, <laughs> said, she would have said, made up any, she would have said, like, you had an Italian restaurant we went to in Burbank that we disliked. And and I, I just saw online that uh, if you don't like this meatballs, or if it's a bad meatball, it could lodge in your thigh or in your groin area. And I would have to live with that ridiculous uh, Aesop's fable all the way back to Los Angeles. So I didn't tell anybody until mm-hmm. I went right to see my doctor the next morning, and he says, that's, that's hernia. <laughs> Boom, thanks. Thank you, ma'am. Richard, can and you, you know, stay on uh, for another segment? Can you stay on the line for another segment? I just want to... segment? I'm on a gurney already. <laughs> I, I live through it. All right, hold on a second there. Warriors, coming up next, we're going to get into more with Richard Lewis. It's just... This is because he's so smart. That's the only way you can be this funny. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show on ESPN LA 710.